Hello, and welcome to This Speech Life, a weekly audio course and podcast from SpeechTherapyPD.com, exploring all things related to school-based SLP practice. I'm your host, Caitlin Lopez, MSCCC SLP, a pediatric SLP with 10 years experience in the school setting. Each week, we will cover three need-to-know aspects of that episode topic, two resources related to the topic, and one actionable strategy for tomorrow. Caitlin for having me. So it's so interesting to be on the other side of this because normally I moderate also. So I wanted to really kind of talk about the things that I wish I would have had with me going into my CFY year. So I think we, you know, we're so excited to get into grad school and we're so excited to get out. And then we really think we can do it all. We have this magic fairy dust and we want to help all the people. And I think that there are a lot of things that we don't really realize that happen or, you know, applying a lot of the clinical things that we have learned from, you know, our professors and our teachers and really just kind of putting into real life things. So I know that I had a little bit of a unique CFY experience. I actually had two CFYs. I did all the things that you were not supposed to do in grad school. I got engaged, planned a wedding, and I moved a few, I think like two weeks after. And so I started in Colorado and my husband had been there for a while. So as I really kind of got underway with my CFY, we realized that he was starting to move up in the field and he was relocated to Arizona. So I had to kind of figure out the logistics of what you do when you have partially one CFY and you're not completed and then you have to kind of finish it out in another place. So moving from color, you know, moving in general, all those life skills, it's a lot just to kind of graduate, to enter the workforce, and then trying to get everything transferred over was definitely a big learning curve. And when I finally got a job, I was so excited. And then I found out that it would be a two-place assignment. So I would be about 15 minutes with a caseload of 115 just starting. And then I also had an autism clinic that I had about 10 children, but their hours were equivalent to probably 30. So having so much in just kind of coming out of grad school, I felt really reluctant to speak up. And I felt like I just kind of needed to go along with it and really kind of figure out how to make it work. So I really did. I went with it and tried my best. And a lot of things I wish I would have done differently are things that I'm going to bring today in our talk. So I definitely realized the first thing is advocacy. When you're new and you're just getting out of grad school, you really think that you know, there's a process and that you just kind of go along with it. You're really grateful to have a job. You're really wanting to, you know, not step up and kind of make waves into that new assignment. So I definitely didn't know what to do. So after a while, I continued with it. And then I realized after talking to a lot of the team members in my IEP, I was missing lots of different meetings and there were lots of things that because I was split in two different places, I really kind of missed out on having like a perfect experience. So I definitely had to advocate and really kind of say like, this is not manageable. So advocacy is one of my first things that I really want to talk about. I think that it's a really important topic because we want to advocate for ourselves and we really want to advocate for our clients because we want to make sure that we're giving them what they need. And we also want to advocate in meetings so that they get the services that they need too. I think advocacy can go both ways. We really want to 
make sure that we feel like we're giving our best. And if we're in a situation where we won't be giving our best, we need to really kind of talk about what we can do to make that better. So in my journey, I went and I spoke to my clinical supervisor. I talked to my CFY supervisor and kind of figured out what would be a way to make this more manageable. I was missing meetings. There was just, I felt kind of like stretchy Armstrong. I couldn't do it all. And I felt like like I really needed to be able to step up and say that this just wasn't working. So I did. And it was sad. You know, it's never easy to walk away from something, but I definitely feel like it was the right move. And once I did that, I really felt like I was able to kind of be present in one spot. I think sometimes when you're stuck between different locations, Caitlin, I don't know if you've ever had to be in a few different locations. It's just a lot of you're living in the back of your car. You're not really feeling settled. You have two spots, so you just can't really kind of dump everything. You know, you have to carry a lot of things with you. It takes a lot of planning. And so once I definitely really expressed that this was not working out. I felt so much more settled and I really felt more at ease and like I was part of the team because I could really be in that one spot. I could attend the meetings. I could attend the staff meetings. I was able to kind of stay after school and build those relationships with teachers. Also, you know, just really see our children in their natural environment too. I always would love to kind of walk by, peep in their windows, see how they were really acting inside their classroom, you know, outside of our therapy. So advocacy was something that was really hard, but I think it's a really, it's a a big movement too, that we're really kind of trying to embrace and showing how when you are able to feel better, you're able to give a better quality of therapy, and um, you're just feeling more like that team. So advocacy was something that I think we definitely are taught. I mean, I know we had a few classes about, you know, what a school type of placement would be like, but those are the things that I don't feel like we really talked about in grad school. We didn't really talk about the big caseload numbers, and so... I think coming into that setting, I really, you know, I was young, I wasn't a mom, I was able to to manage that big caseload. And I think looking back now, I would have advocated to like the workload versus the caseload. Now I would definitely probably have advocated more, but I think that there's a lot of wonderful things that we learn in grad school, but advocating for what you feel is manageable is something that's not really taught. I know we have lots of ethics courses, but not really kind of how to be able to voice your concern in something. So that was something that I feel like I really had to learn the hard way. Have you, Caitlin, ever had anything like that where you just had to kind of, you know, voice your concern and make it better? This district It was really rough. They totally, they didn't make any sense at all why they chose to do the things that they chose to do. But there was only 10 of us that were hired by the district and then the rest were contract SLPs. It is an area that is not necessarily one that people want to go work in. Okay. Um, the district that I was in. And I think that that's why there was only 10 of us that were hired by the district. But the rest of us were contract or the rest of the the team was contract. And they made this new rule that only the 10 of us could do assessments for the entire district. Oh, my goodness. Um, which was included 40 schools, not including the Head Start program. So the Head Start programs had contracted with with the district to provide speech for their and OT too, but Mm -hmm. there weren't very many um, students that were getting OT referrals, but speech referrals, of course, you know? Yeah. So it was, I lost track of keeping count of how many assessments I did, but you, we had to advocate for ourselves. You know, we came together, the 10 of us came together as a team and what that looked like. And we really had to, 
to have strong boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think that that is the best way to have strong advocacy is just, okay, you know, from the beginning we laid out, okay, if this is how it's going to be and you're expecting us to do this many assessments, then Mm -hmm. you also need to realize like, this is what is going to happen. We can't make it to, you know, all of these IEP meetings. And so I had to turn down IEP meetings left and right. And, and of course I was at schools that I didn't have relationships with teachers. And, you know, if they were scheduling their IEP, IEP meetings last minute, and I was to report out, I would just say, I'm sorry, I can't go. I'm already scheduled, you know? And so that also made it hard too, because I felt like our assessments, you know, coming back to that piece of advocating Yes, it's hard on you, but also when you think about your student, it's really not fair to the student for me to come and spend three hours with them, you know, over the course of a couple weeks and to Mm -hmm. maybe be able, and of course, you know, this is during COVID, so... The amount of, and in California, you know, our restrictions are much stronger than they are elsewhere in the country, in Southern California, LA County. And so we, although we were our district was on campus. We had students on campus starting in October of 2020. And most of Southern California didn't see students on campus until the spring. So anyway, we did have students on campus, but that amount of, you know, what am I trying to say? The interaction that you might see Mm -hmm. between students and teacher or students and other students, like, so our observations were, you know, minimal as compared to the SLP that had been working with them. They should have been the ones that should have been doing the assessment. So, and of course, like there are some, and because we were stretched so thin, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that stretch Armstrong, there's only so much time. And of course, you know, teachers are stretched thin, the SLPs that were serving students with therapy, like they were stretched thin as well. And so the time to collaborate really wasn't fair to these students. And so I would also like, that was something that we, we kept bringing up to to our administrators, but it's tough when your administrators don't have a background in special education. Right. Yeah. And they don't have that perspective to know like what you really are going through. So I think that's really hard. Are you taking advantage of the certificate tracker? Not only does it store your certificates from all of your evidence-based and practical courses from speechtherapypd.com, but you can also upload certificates earned from other CE providers. It's the easiest way to store and keep track of your CEUs. Just another perk of membership. You did say about setting boundaries, and that's something that I think I wish I would have done way back when, is setting that really clear, consistent work-life, personal life boundary. I think whenever you have caseloads that are unmanageable, it's really easy to, I mean, we all take home stuff. We all write reports at night and maybe stay past like our time that we're supposed to leave. And I think that while when it's your CFY year, you don't know, you don't have a baseline of what is normal. Um, You kind of think, well, I guess I should be staying until five and I should be probably writing reports when I get home. And so I think really creating those good balances like from the gate that you're able to figure out like there's a hard stop time and maybe, you know, there's a day where like I'm not going to do anything on Saturday, but maybe on Sunday, I'll kind of review and I'll plan. Having those boundaries, I think, would be so much more helpful to be able to like prioritize your time. I think time management is a really big thing that we all deal with when we're overworked. And so when we don't have that time, trying to figure out a nice balance of how we can kind of make it where we are just kind of leaving that evaluation report and we're going to come maybe a little bit earlier tomorrow, but we're not going to take it home because if you keep taking it home, it gets to where you feel like that never ending cycle of there's not really a hard stop. And I feel like we felt that way a lot with COVID because, you know, everything was, especially when we were all home and working from home, you didn't really feel like there was that great balance because you were providing the therapy from home. And so I felt a little bit more, I felt those feelings of kind of how I had felt when I was in my CFY year. 
coming back a little bit because I really had to reprioritize when I would just stop and step away. So I think that those are the things that I really recommend. And then utilizing your team. So I know the multidisciplinary team in your SPED program is so important. And so I think really when you're new and you have a CFY, you sometimes come in and you feel a little self-conscious about trying to just figure out all the policies. Like, you know, how are you going to figure out how to access the IEPs and how are you going to um, figure out how to do referrals? And there's lots of paperwork and lots of procedures that I feel like it's helpful when you have some sort of mentor or you utilize your team to kind of help show you ways that they feel like maybe they can give you shortcuts and things that will really help make that process seamless. So I think that I had pride and I didn't really want to ask a lot of people. Also, my CFY supervisor was not in my building. So she, and I know that's pretty common. So I think that that's something too. If I could go back, I would definitely have some maybe clear questions I would ask before my CFY year and just kind of to ask whatever district you're in or say you're a contractor and you are asking the company that you're contracting in, just kind of what does that CFY, what does it look like? So asking how often will you be supervised? How much access will you have to your supervisor? I guess, what are there any additional types of forms that you need? Are there, like who will kind of show you the process? Is that more your, especially when you don't have your supervisor in your building, is that something that your CFY supervisor kind of helps you? Or is that something that, you know, having a mentor or a friend on your SPED team kind of shows you the ways to go through when you're trying to write IEP? So having a little bit of that knowledge beforehand so that you're not kind of a fish drowning when you start school and you're meeting all these new people. And then you're also trying to figure out all the paperwork because there's just so much paperwork and you want to get it right. So I think, you know, who do you rely on? Who do you utilize? Did you have your supervisor in the same building or? No, I didn't. I don't know. I'm trying to think of any SLPs that, you know, are in the school system that unless you're like at an early childhood development center, yeah. I don't really know of any that, that have that. I know one, one district that I was at a couple of years ago, I did share a caseload with an SLP because I had 115 students at that school. The school was ginormous. We had 700 kids and oh it was, goodness. it was pre-K through third grade only. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was just wall-to-wall little children, but it was actually one of my favorite schools that I've been at because the team was so great. Anyway, that was the first time that I really shared space with an SLP. It was so much fun because she only came in to see one of the SDC and there was four SDC Mm -hmm. classes on that campus, but she came in just to help out with one SDC class. And so she was only there two afternoons a week and we would end up having time, like hanging out with each other mm-hmm. after class was done right? just to collaborate with each other. But I did, my CF was so fantastic. She reached out to me and we shared a para. I talked about this in a previous episode. We shared a para educator. So in that system, and I got to have a para educator because she's not a slipper. Wow. Um, so like in your CF year, you got to have Yeah, I got that. to have a parent educator because she's not a slip so I'm not necessarily supervising her, right? Right. Oh my goodness. So- Wow. It was fantastic. Yeah. So we shared a paraeducator and my CF did have a slipper as well. And so I think my para would go and report to her. <laughs> Caitlin's struggling. You yeah, know, Caitlin yeah. needs a little bit of help. Yeah. And so she would reach out to me fairly regularly and we would meet for lunch or we would meet for coffee. And we also, we didn't live in the community we worked in. Yeah. And so, but we lived in the same community. Oh, wow. Uh, So that made it really easy to get together outside of work hours. Now that is not normal. She was also young and I think she had graduated maybe four years before I did. And so 
So that's not normal. I know the CFs that I've supervised, I've made sure to let them know like, hey, I'm available. You know, Mm -hmm. I try to take them out to lunch every couple months, but then I'm always available for like a phone call or you know, what that is aside from like me going and visiting their hours. Right. Yeah. But I'm always available for a phone call, but I would try to take them out to lunch every couple months, which is hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. But we would usually try to do it, which I also appreciated too, that district, they would do our staff meetings, you know, about once a month in the afternoon after lunch. And so her and I would go to lunch before the staff meeting. And then we would go to the staff meeting, we'd sit together. And so that was, or for our speech meetings, I should say. So, you know, that is one way to do it. But also, as you were talking about, like, what are those tips and tricks? And like, you know, every district that you go to, it's going to be a little bit of a different system. And so I usually try to make friends with somebody that first speech meeting. And I'm usually, and of course this is because I'm 10 years in, but I'm pretty vocal about, Hey, can I get a training for this? I need to have someone sit down and show me how to use your online IEP system. I need someone to show me how to use in California, Medi-Cal, everywhere Mm -hmm. else, Medicaid. I need you to show me how to use your Medicaid system. And the thing is too, that I think CFs need to remember is chances are you're not the only new person that they've hired. And so if you have this question more often than not, there's somebody else in the room that has that same question. And even I know every year that I worked for my previous district, we had a Medi-Cal training and I would go every time because Mm -hmm. you're going to learn something new, even though it's the same Medi-Cal system that I had in the district before. (laughs) You may find a shortcut or you'll meet, you'll still find somebody else, right? Exactly. Or somebody that, you know, is in the audience in the training is going to raise their hand and say, Hey, you know, I, this is how I do it this way. That still works. Right. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. I did have that question or thank you for sharing that tidbit. I didn't know about that. So I would say definitely take advantage of those trainings and ask for them because it's their job to make sure that you can do your job. Right. And I love them because I, I had that interaction with other adults. And I think especially when you have your SPED meeting, you're most likely the only SLP. So this is that time where you're with other SLPs and you can kind of collaborate and brainstorm. And so, yeah, I always really did appreciate those things that popped up and I looked forward to them. So, so. yeah. And also ask your lead speech therapist you know, about things like report templates, Mm -hmm. you know, some districts use them, some districts don't. We, the previous district that I was in, they didn't mandate one for us to use, but then all of us, because that's what we were doing only was assessments. A group of us got together and we're like, okay, let's make this streamlined that way. So we know that we're all doing the same amount of work. If that makes sense, you know, we're not, somebody isn't adding three different clinical observations to their assessment and somebody over here only has one or let's make sure that we've got all the pieces in our assessments that need to be there for that school-based SLP assessment and so that's something that you can also ask for is is there a template you know is there someone that has one that they want to share you know and that can also make your job a lot easier if you've got a template. And not reinventing the wheel. So I think that's a thing is that, and it's nice to have it consistent throughout the district. So if you have everyone on the same page, like you said, you know, having consistent report summaries, I think that it just kind of, it makes it streamline and you're able to really kind of not... You know, not that you wouldn't put in a lot of extra time, but you have like that go-to thing that you know that you can fill out and you're going to add your own information. And so you don't feel so overwhelmed starting from scratch. So I always did appreciate those places that had those templates. So, but another thing I would love to recommend is that, well, we kind of talked a little bit about this, the resourcefulness, and that kind of goes in with that having templates, like reaching out to those lead SLPs or 
finding a buddy that you can kind of collaborate with, especially with materials. I feel like sometimes you get really lucky in the place that you are assigned to. You have a ton of materials or you're given a lot of money from the PTA or maybe you have things that you've just kind of slowly gathered or maybe even you have your old – I know my mom had a box of all my old, you know – sorry and all the old games I used to play so that you're not really having to go out and buy a bunch of stuff. So being resourceful, you know, problem solving, I think also thinking on the spot, especially in those meetings where you're really having to kind of give your input. It's always good to have something to have like pre-planned on what you're going to say, but you also have to be flexible and think about how sometimes you're going to be put on the spot and how you can respond in a way where you feel confident and you feel like the team values the things that you're saying and that you're really kind of adding and not confusing the team. So bringing a lot of you know value to what you're seeing and always really being positive in those meetings too, I think always helped. And then also... I think that I still work on this today is being able to adapt material. So taking one material and being able to use it for a mixed group. When you have those big caseloads, you're going to have so many, you know, you get lucky if you have like an Arctic group. That doesn't always happen. So how can you use one thing and adapt it to all the different goals that you want to work on? So thematic units were always really helpful. So you could kind of, you know, take the guesswork if you, for your first year, you know, you kind of did like week by week. Then by your second year, you have a lot of things planned out and then, you know, stored and you can pull them out and add to them. Um, I love literacy-based therapy because you can do language and artic. Being able just to adapt one thing for meeting a bunch of different goals is something that I think you realize you don't have to have all the things. So I think when I came out, I wanted to have all the best toys and all all the new gadgets and all the super duper stuff. And it's okay if you don't because you can adapt things. And it's really rare that, you know, I think we always want the latest and greatest, but a lot of of times our kids are super happy with what you have. They don't need, they don't know that there's a better game out there too. So I think that that's something that I think you continue to take with you as a season SLP. You're always kind of adapting and adjusting because no matter how you plan out your therapy, sometimes it just doesn't go the way that you want it to go. And so kind of rolling with the flow is another thing too, because it may not be perfect and seamless. It may, you may have hiccups or maybe the book just doesn't work. So really kind of thinking on your feet for that. So are you still in the schools now, Caitlin? I am currently taking a short hiatus. Mm -hmm. So I know that that's something that like having the latest and greatest toy, I know sometimes I'll get I'll get bored with a certain toy, like pop the pig. Um, But then I have to remember that these kids in California, I don't know how it is elsewhere. They're only coming to see you once, maybe twice a week. Right. And so their idea of fun is like, oh, they're only playing pop the pig once or twice a week. So it's really exciting for them as opposed to us who play it every day, all day, (laughs) seven, eight times a day. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, that's something that I have to, that was like that realization really helped me feel a lot better about my therapy planning and Mm -hmm. my, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this again. It's it's okay sometimes because it's not necessarily boring to them. And, and I think learning to read those cues from your kids, because they will let you know if something is fun or not fun right. for sure. Right. Yeah. And I think too, like I've had, I remember having kids bring their own games. If they, so say you had one version of Uno and they had the retro Uno at home, like they would offer to bring it in. I mean, they are really just happy with what you have. And I feel like, especially at that level, they're excited to see you. And so those are, it's a really great part of their day. So right, even though we may be bored of it, they won't be. And there's good value in doing things over and over again, because it, you know, you can really kind of work on the turn taking aspect. So 
playing games several times, not necessarily like back to back, but kind of re mixing up some of your therapy materials or kind of your reinforcers. I think there is some value to using the same thing. So another thing that I think I wish I would have really thought about during my CF year was the confidence that you want to really kind of shine and show to not only your team members, but the parents, to your CF supervisor, you know, and it's okay when you don't know something. So I remember really kind of, if I ever got caught off guard by a question from a teacher or even, you know, another colleague, I would say, I don't know, but I'm going to look it up and I'll get back to you. So being able to be quick thinking and show that while maybe, you know, you need some time to kind of get back to them, like you're going to be able to think of a game plan and deliver that response too. So it's okay. We don't always have to know everything. And I think that's the beauty of having lots of good platforms to be able to brush up on skills. So, you know, when you don't have that confidence, you can utilize places like Speech Therapy PD so that you can take a apraxia course or you can take a course on something that you feel like maybe is not your strength so that you feel like you can gain that confidence. And um, I think your CFY year is all about figuring out the things that work best for you. So time management is a super big part of that. And I think being able to kind of know like when it's appropriate to say certain things that, you know, during your meetings or beforehand, like having a game plan is super important for those first few IEPs. And then I feel like you become a pro and they, you know, you're really able to, use that team method. You're not really the new person anymore once you have a few of those down. And so you feel, I think your confidence will increase because you feel more like that team member when you've gotten a few under your belt and you're able to really kind of get those rolling. So, and the beauty of the CFY year is you have that mentor. You have that mentor to kind of work on the trial and error and ask questions and really take what you learned throughout those, you know, the undergrad and graduate school and apply them into that real life scenario. So I think that the confidence is something, you know, you always hear of fake it till you make it. And I do think that that's important because you want everyone to feel confident in you and you want to feel confident in yourself because you know all the latest and greatest stuff when you're walking out of grad school. So you know a lot of that new evidence-based practice. So you have a lot of those tools. It's just more executing them in real life and really kind of knowing that it's okay if, you know, sessions don't go perfect. That is just part of life. So I think I was just so hard on myself when maybe things, the book that I was so excited to work on was just kind of not as motivating or fun or a game that I brought to kind of go along with that book just wasn't a hit. So kind of knowing that, even though you may have one bad therapy session, that doesn't, it's okay. You have those bumps in the road and that shouldn't affect your confidence. So I think the resources though that are super important are, and these are really new, especially things that I don't feel like we had, Caitlin, when we were graduating is there's lots of mentor programs. So I know that Jenna Kirk, I know she was Jenna Rayburn. She has a CFY 101 course for new CFY. So it's a mentor program. So outside of your CF supervisor, there are other programs that you can utilize. Um, Lots of Facebook groups. I mean, I don't think that we had that growing up until, you know, getting out of grad school. So there's SLP to be, even Instagram, like lots of CF SOP to be accounts that kind of walk you through things. So there's a lot more resources now that really specifically are targeted to that CFY year outside of your mentorship. So that's really great. And then the therapy materials. So there, I love teacher pay teacher. I didn't have a ton of resources. So I you know, really kind of wanted to be resourceful, I would find the things that I needed, especially like thematically for that session. And although, you know, sometimes you pay money, it was just, it helped. There's lots of that no prep 
those resources that you don't have to do a whole lot and they're engaging and you can use them for a mixed group. We were kind of talking about the SLP Now. That's a really good that resource library. SLP Toolkit. I know you are part of the SLP Toolkit. So those are great resources that we did not have. When did you start the tool? Was it like a few years ago? Yeah, I think I've been a part of SLP Toolkit probably five or six mm-hmm. years now. And it's grown so much from when I first started utilizing it. I really loved it for data collection because I could just use my Microsoft Surface Pro and just take data like right on the touch screen, which was super helpful when you've got those four kids in front of you. And and then it's really easy to copy and paste and put right into our Medi-Cal billing. And so that was something that I loved. It totally cut down paperwork and totally cut down like my paper trail of my data collection and my, my notes there. And so it was so nice, you know, you can, I mean, I don't mean for this to be a commercial for this. No, yeah, no, but you know, you're not sponsored. Yeah, we're not at all, but it was so nice to, to their group scheduling that you could pop in was super easy to use. They also had like a goal generator that was really helpful. So I wouldn't often use their goals, but I would kind of read through them and I would, cause I would think of the goal that I wanted for a student mm-hmm. and I was having a hard time really coming up with the words sometimes of like, okay, I want them to do this. How do I write that? How do you I, know? Yeah. Articulate that. Right. And so they have a, a goal generator for a bunch of different areas. Sometimes it was just nice to use to brainstorm. Right. And then they, I know that I didn't utilize it the last couple of years because I was doing assessments only. So I didn't necessarily right. need to. So I didn't renew it the last two years. But I know that they were like, there was almost like a social media aspect to it where you could like go in and like type in your questions and other SLPs would respond back to you like a forum, I guess. Yeah. That's what social media used to be before it was social media. It was right. called forum. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they have that. That was really nice. But yeah, so I utilize them. I know that there's, we were talking about like there's Swivel that is the scheduler. Right. SLP now they have, I know Marisha has a ton of resources. Yeah for therapy and for data collection and for assessment. And, and then she also has a piece too with her SLP now that is the same concept as SLP toolkit, where you can take all your data right in her interface as well. Right. So there's tons and tons and tons of options. Like it's so crazy because I know, I, I think Megan, well, Megan and I, I think we graduated at the same time Mm -hmm. that, we were both taught to do it pencil and pen and paper and you got to, you know, file it away with the kids. You know, I had individual folders for everyone, individual folders for everyone. And like with their paper trail and like by the end of the year, it was like so thick because of all of my, my data collection for them. So yeah, it's an amazing time to be an SLP. Yeah. And it cuts down on your productivity too. Cause I feel like we were doing a lot of the, like, so when we had to do lots of things in pencil and paper, then you have to go through and you have to input them. So you're really doing it twice and that's a lot of work. And so it does seem like it kind of cuts down. It helps with that time management and that productivity and you're hopefully able to, you know, input it faster. So you're not spending a ton of time really regenerating a bunch of your notes. Are you looking to move up on the pay scale? You can through speechtherapypd.com in collaboration with University of the Pacific. Start earning graduate level credits today. Courses are evidence-based and practical. Win-win. Check out speechtherapypd.com for more information on earning graduate level credits. There's other material. So Super Duper recently released, I think through COVID, their Super Duper digital library. So a lot of these all come with the fee, but you have access to things like your favorite kind of grammar or lots of those articulation workbooks that you can have digitally on your iPad, which are great, especially when you're trying to cut down that paper trail or, you know, you're able, sometimes we'll take those worksheets that are on my iPad and you can screenshot them and then send them to the parents and that's kind of, or, you know, send them like 
to with the kids in their folder so that they are able to work on and carry over a lot of the things that you're working on in your session. Ultimate SLP, there's lots of now like new resources. Ultimate SLP is a game I personally use. It basically has a ton of games that generate lots of different goals. So you can use it in mixed group. You basically have like a goal database and say if you wanted to work on articulation, you could work on as many different kinds of sounds at different levels. And then it auto populates games and you're able to really kind of cut down on the planning. So lots of different things that can kind of help in that therapy planning. And then also, you know, There are lots of reinforcers that you can use on your iPad. I loved, especially when I worked with the younger kids, having the Tokoboka, and we would work on tea parties, and it was so good up for turn-taking. So there's lots of kind of paperless, no print, no prep types of things that you can use. I know it's nice to have that in-person type of thing, but these also carry over to teletherapy if you ever were to have to kind of do some of your sessions. Sometimes we have to on the fly go and do the sessions online. So those are all great resources. And then books is a great thing for literacy-based therapy. They're online types of books that are animated and you can pause and kind of work on some of those things. So a lot of the different things on, you know, now that we have access to for different apps are helpful in that kind of, or really, I think COVID has brought a lot of great things to have access to these things that we're able to make interactive with our clients if we have to either be in person or online. So those are a few of my go-tos. And then I loved to really kind of, you know, sometimes you are blessed and you're able to have a lot of resources, but sometimes you have to maybe take some stuff that you have, or I would always go to, you know, some thrift stores or utilize Facebook Marketplace or consignment stores and get some really well-loved games because they don't really care. Our Children don't care about, you know, where you get them from, but I always love to kind of, you know, stock up and get things at an affordable price. So with those games, you know, you can really kind of adapt one thing for, you know, the drilling of your language goals and your articulation and fluency. So those are kind of the things that I really looked forward to, especially doing thematic units. And then I know we talked a little bit about those resources that really have been helpful. And then the continuing ed stuff. So anytime you're able to, you know, your teacher or your district is able to give you great trainings or you're able to hop on on, you know, a continuing ed platform like speech therapy, PD, and take extra courses in the area that you need. I feel like that's something that was not something that we had when we graduated. So we would have to kind of go to in person. And now there's so many great opportunities online that we're able to, you know, take classes kind of the self-study or on demand or live. So I feel like our options have been really, really benefited towards all like inclusive now that we're able to access things kind of in person or online. So All right. So your three is advocacy, resourcefulness, and confidence. And then two, you shared a lot of resources. You got way more than two, which is awesome. And so what is your one actionable strategy that you have for us to start using tomorrow? So I definitely think the collaboration and really kind of being patient and positive. So it's more than one, but being patient and positive with yourself, because I think, you know, we definitely want to make sure that we are using all that we know when we go into those meetings and really knowing that we have so much that we have learned and that we can express and articulate everything, even though we may be new, you're able to really kind of show your team that you have that best interest of that client and that you're advocating for them. And so I think that it's kind of a twofold. You want to you know, utilize that you are able to really kind of advocate for them, but you're also advocating for yourself because you want everyone to 
really, you know, invest in the things that you're bringing to the table. So I think really having a few different things that you can bring to the table, but having a lot of faith in yourself is something that I feel like recently we really want to kind of bring that and use that strategy to make sure that everyone else kind of believes in the work that we're doing with our clients. So, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. You know, I, something that you said, touching back on confidence and like that fake it till you make it. I recently had a grad student and I'm currently working in a clinic. And so parents come into the session with us during our sessions and she was sharing, oh, I'm just so nervous. You know, these parents, I, I don't want them to think I'm messing up or, and I said, they don't know, right. you know, they don't know that you are, this is your very first clinical experience and that you've never worked with kids before. Right. They don't know that. They are grateful that you are sharing your knowledge, even though it seems so simple what we're doing with kids, but they don't know that that you are trying things out for the first time. Right. And so I think once she figured that out, that she she definitely had a lot more confidence. And I remember my very first IEP meeting, I actually worked on an emergency waiver here in California, my last year of grad school. Wow. I needed a job and I, okay. So I thought I was interviewing to be a slipper because I also had my slipper license too. While you were in grad school. Yeah. Wow. My last year. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm interviewing for this slipper position. This will be great. And I remember the interview very, very distinctly because I remember walking out. So I thought it was like an open call for just all districts within San Bernardino County. And there was a panel of interviewers. And I realized during that interview, county is something vastly different than a district. And I walked out of there and I thought, they don't want me and I don't know that I want them. Yeah. Just because the interview was just it just kind of went downhill. It was fine. They ended up offering me a job and (laughs) I had the restaurant that I was working for ended up going under and I'd had a job since I was 15. Yeah. So I was like, well, I need a job. I need money to put myself through. And so I ended up taking the position and I loved it. I stayed for five years. Oh my goodness. Um, So after you graduated, you just kind of transitioned to... I did my CF there. Yeah. So it's kind of funny on an emergency waiver, you have no supervision whatsoever. You can do whatever you want. And then that next year I needed a CF to sign off on assessment. (laughs) So I totally went from like doing my own thing to To like back in the set. Yeah. Yeah. But not really because my CF was a huge supporter of mine. And that first year I do count that as my, I mean, not count Mm. it. But I often forget that that wasn't my CF year. Yeah, it was hands-on, but... Yeah, and my very first IEP was an IEP with an advocate and a lawyer. Yes, yeah. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to lose my license before I even get one. They're going to find out I'm phony. Right, right, yeah. You know, even though looking back now, it's... It's more on the district for hiring somebody who hasn't graduated yet, as opposed to my fault, you know. Right. But I'm sure your confidence and your, you know, you were positive and those are all great skills that kind of allow you to make those, you know, like we have those inner feelings of I, you know, I'm new, but you're right. Like they don't know that. And so as long as you're kind of portraying and you're being positive, then you are. You can definitely kind of be what you are shining and being really kind of focusing on. So even though you are the only one, like you said, that knows that you're new. So I think that those are things that we kind of definitely, we internally feel those things, but not everyone knows the things that we're kind of going through or dealing with in that CFY year. Yeah. And so that was something that I definitely, going through that year, it really showed me how important it is to fake it till you make it. And I also was really close to one of my professors who she had worked for county before becoming a professor at my grad program. 
And I reached out to her and I was like, help, you know, what did I do? And she gave me a lot of really great phrases to use. Mm -hmm. One of them that she would say often is, I'm not comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And she said, the reason why is nobody can tell you what to feel comfortable. Only you are able to know what you feel comfortable with. And she said, of course, you can't just say, I don't feel comfortable with that when a parent is requesting four times a week for speech therapy. 60 right. minutes in school, but you also, need to, there. you also need to back it up with information. You know, I don't feel comfortable with that. Here's why. Instead of just, I don't feel comfortable with that, which is a, a nice way to, and then the other one that she would say, which you touched upon and she said, great question. Let me think on that one. Right. Cause it's okay not to know. It's okay to kind of ponder yeah. and think about it and come back to it. And I think that we have to think on our feet. And and while it's important to have that skill, sometimes we don't know the answer. And so we can brush up and we can look and figure out the best way to answer that at a different time. Yeah. And I think something to think about too, you know, in our own personal lives, we know those people that are kind of Mm know-it-alls that don't really know it all. And when you think of that person, you don't think fondly of them. Right. But then we also have people in our lives that are super humble And we like to be around them, you know, oh man, I don't know about that. Let me find out. Or, hmm, you know, somebody who's always asking us questions as opposed to telling us things, I think is another really great way to think about it too. You know, going back to your first one of advocacy of it's okay to ask questions because chances are you are definitely not the only one in the room. Right. Yeah. And I think too, you're not always able to have another SLP in your building. And so that's why you can utilize that supervisor or your mentor, or like you had a professor, you can ask them those questions because they've been in your shoes before. They definitely want to help you. And I think we always want to do better for that next person coming in. So, you know, like you said, having the person that you're sitting next to one of your trainings, like making sure that they know how to do things so that they're never feeling kind of inadequate or they're feeling those fears of not knowing how to kind of, you know, complete certain tasks. And I think that it's important to kind of have that kind of like mentorship and befriend those new CFYs, especially when you're a seasoned SLP, because chances are you have shortcuts that you can kind of project and show them. And I think that, you know, it's important to kind of be able to share and help out, especially when we've all been in those places before where we've been new and we're starting out. For sure. I think another thing to think about too is, you know, your mentor doesn't have to be an SLP. It could be another SPED person on campus. Mm -hmm. I know personally, I've, some of my greatest mentors have been SPED teachers or the resource teacher, or even, I mean, I've actually been very lucky in that my parent educator who wasn't even anything. I mean, she eventually, she was great. I shouldn't say she wasn't anything, but I mean, on paper, right? Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. look like she's, she was phenomenal. She was one of my greatest mentors, right? Right. You know, slippers are also phenomenal mentors too. I've been really lucky in that the majority of slippers I've worked with have actually been in the field way longer than I have. Right. So they kind of show you the things that they know and yeah. And it's amazing to have that. And there's not a lot of, especially in the East Coast, we don't have a lot of the SLPAs and stuff. So I think that that's something that I feel like Ash is starting to recently, they're really trying to improve because it's so great for those big caseloads to have, you know, the collaboration and have the extra set of hands. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to have some more, you know, kind of traveling, trickling in throughout the country. I don't know how you guys do it. Slippers are angels on earth. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And I think that it's so good that we're recognizing that and that we're giving them some good certification. So hopefully there'll be more of them throughout the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. If anybody has any comments or questions, feel free to pop them in. But we'll just go ahead and recap. So tell me your three, Megan. Okay. Advocacy, resourcefulness, and confidence. Awesome. And then pick, you gave us so many resources. Pick your two favorite. 
Okay, I think teacher pay teacher, especially if you can find, I know a few of them kind of will give you the data to go like through like the research that states it. I love there's certain ones that I are kind of my go to. And then I think them probably something like the SLP toolkit that is a time saver is something that, you know, we all need help in that time management. So that would probably be my second one. And then your actionable strategy for tomorrow. Okay. I think, yeah, fake it till you make it. Be confident. We know so much. And so we want to make sure that we're able to bring that into those IP meetings. And and along the way, we're going to only, you know, it's going to be a lifelong learner and keep learning things. So I think, you know, learning and fake it till you make it is something that we always want to kind of do throughout the span of our SLP life, whether we're seasoned or we're, you know, in our CFY year. Absolutely. And something too that I wanted, as you were saying, fake it till you make it, that I was thinking about was, I know the last couple of years when we've hired new CFs, there's like this excitement that happens because we know that they're not going to be jaded and they're going to be excited to try new things. And they, so if you are a newer SLP, know that you give the rest of us life and you make us excited. You help us see things in a different way. I remember I shared an office with Slippas in County and we had hired a couple of new hires and two of them were CFs. And I remember the Slippa who had been practicing for like I don't know, 25 years, she was getting ready for retirement pretty soon. She walked in and she was so excited. She said, I met the new hires. Two of them are CFs. They're going to be great. They're new. They're not tired like the rest of us. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could go back and be so, you know, energetic and hungry to learn. And I think there's a lot of value, like you said, to being, you know, rejuvenated and you're coming out and you're wanting to kind of go in and make your own kind of niche. And so you're right. I I think that that's so important, the things that the CFs bring. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you everyone for spending some time with us as we talk about three confidence. I'm going backwards now. Confidence. Oh, shoot. Resourcefulness. And resourcefulness. And resourcefulness really brings us into our two resources. Definitely check out Teachers Pay Teachers and those services like SLP Toolkit, SLP Now, or Swivel. See what works for you. I know, I think Megan was sharing that she got a couple months free, so you can try a couple of them out. I know there's like a free option for like five students at a time, which is really helpful for you to kind of figure out, okay, does this work for me? Which is something that Megan touched on too, taking your CF year to really figure out what is your style. I know we imitate our clinical instructors when we're in grad school. Right. We also see amazing things that happen on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, but that may not be our style and what feels authentic to who we are as clinicians. And so I really like that Megan brought up that point of taking that year to really figure things out for yourself. And be patient with yourself because it is definitely a process, but it's a great journey and, you know, you're going to love it. I mean, we all still love it and show up and we are eager and excited to kind of be able to meet new people, new families and new colleagues. So Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's as you're talking about all of these skills, yes, it's totally geared towards a CF, but I'm thinking about every time I've moved districts or moved systems, it has been, I almost feel like a CF all over again. Yeah. You're starting from, you know, from nothing and you're kind of building, there's always new going from district to district. You have new IP platforms, new, I mean, sometimes you have new billing. And so everything can kind of seem to mimic a little bit of that CFY year where you're kind of starting from scratch. So I think a lot of these things you can take with you, whether you're seasoned or you're just starting out because it's good to be lifelong learners and always want to kind of be touching up on the latest and greatest new things. So 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for spending this time with us and giving us some really great nuggets, whether we are CFs or seasoned SLPs. I hope you all have enjoyed our time together. If you are taking this course for live credit, please remember to log into your speechtherapypd.com account and click on the course portal and complete all modules, especially the one entitled quiz to get your live credit for today. And we will see you back here next week, Tuesday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining us at This Speech Life. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA CEUs. We appreciate your positive reviews and support and would love for you to write a quick review and subscribe.